With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to WWEPodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to Patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time. Hey, what's going on, guys, and welcome back to WWE Retro on the WWE Podcast on this Friday, July 1st. As everyone in Canada here knows that it is... Um, Canada Day here for us, uh, and in Quebec, it's two weekends in a row where we get long weekends, as last week was Saint-Jean-Baptiste, uh, a holiday exclusive to the province of Quebec, and now our national holiday here of Canada Day, so I'm off, and uh, if you're in Canada and you're listening to this, you're off enjoying your Canada Day, and if you're not, well, it sucks to be you, <laughs> but uh, obviously we're not here to talk about Canada Day, we are here to talk about retro And we are going to go back to something not too in the distant past. And we're going to be covering the era of SmackDown Live. And SmackDown Live was a very, very interesting era for WWE because it was kind of the end of the PG era as we knew it. And I guess you could call this the reality era, if you will. Um, because 
you were kind of still in the PG era, but it was no longer the guys of John Cena and Randy Orton and Batista and CM Punk kind of leading the charge. This was right around the time where you had Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose really start to take over for WWE. And I think it's important to give context as to how SmackDown Live came to be. So obviously in the Ruthless Aggression era and early on in the PG era, you had a hard brand split. But right around, I would say, 2010, 2011 or so, it kind of just fell apart. And the brand split was no longer as we knew it. Because anyone who watched WWE from 2002 until, let's say, 2007-ish, you knew that the brand split was taken oh so seriously. And nowadays, it really isn't. And in the later years of the PG era, it ceased to exist. And it really came to be when they unified the World Championships in December of 2013 with Randy Orton defeating John Cena in the unification match at TLC. And then in 2016, we have the return of Shane McMahon as he comes back and asking for power of Monday Night Raw. He loses to The Undertaker at WrestleMania 32 in Hell in a Cell and ultimately does not get his wish. But Vince McMahon gives him a shot to run Monday Night Raw for a series of weeks following WrestleMania 32. And eventually, Stephanie McMahon, who was still part of the authority at that time, takes issue with that. And it would eventually come to a head with Vince McMahon announcing a final solution. The new commissioner, SmackDown Live, Shane McMahon. It is my duty to inform you that I'm relieving you of your responsibilities here on Monday Night Raw. Therefore, the new commissioner of the juggernaut, the flagship, the three-hour flagship of WWE, Monday Night Raw's Commissioner Stephanie McMahon! I want the two of you to compete, and I mean for real. You're going to be running SmackDown Live. You're going to be running Monday Night Raw, okay? I want you to compete in terms of television ratings. I want you to compete in terms of social media uh, metrics. I want you to compete in terms of live event attendance records. I want you to compete in, in merchandise. I don't care what it is. I want you, the two of you, to compete, and I really mean compete. One of you just might inherit the keys to the kingdom. I want you to compete so badly that I don't give a damn if you break the law. So, which one of you, which one of you is going to prove to me that you should inherit the keys to the kingdom? And before you answer that in your own mind and show the world, I want to say this. You both need someone to run your day-to-day business. You both need a general manager. Because you can't compete on this level without one. So next week here on Raw, you're going to name a general manager. You're going to name a general manager to run SmackDown and Raw, respectively. And if you don't, I'll name one for you. 
Man, it's so cool to see Vince McMahon in a coherent way. And, you know, this was six years ago. It's absolutely crazy that this was six years ago. It feels like literally yesterday that they were bringing back the brand split. But nevertheless, this felt like a big deal because, A, you hadn't had the brand split in effect in a serious capacity for quite some time. And two, SmackDown was finally going live. And for newer viewers, uh, you guys probably don't know this, but it was taped on Tuesdays and either aired on Thursdays or Fridays. It used to be on UPN back in the day up here in Canada. It's been on Sportsnet for quite some time. But up until 2016, SmackDown was always taped. And it's so crazy to hear Vince refer to Raw as the juggernaut in the flagship show because I would argue in the last three years, that's become SmackDown. It feels like Raw is the afterthought now. And SmackDown is the actual A show, with Roman Reigns being exclusive to SmackDown, or principally, at least, and it being on Fox, it really feels that in the last new couple of years, SmackDown has really superseded Raw. So, we have SmackDown going live, finally, after how many, 17 years in existence, finally SmackDown would also be a live show, and it would be moving to Tuesdays to the day it was always taped but now it would air live on tuesdays and would be referred to as smackdown live so shane is the commissioner of smackdown stephanie is the commissioner of raw and it is time to name the general managers and when the general managers were named they were both ultimately fan favorites ladies and gentlemen the new general manager of monday opportunity and thank you for naming me the general manager of Monday Night Raw right here in Providence, Rhode Island. Have a nice day. Yeah! Who could I possibly think of? Who could be more popular and better than Mick Foley? Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, the SmackDown Live General Manager! <laughs> that is huge! Huge! You gotta be kidding me! Yes, Movement is back! Daniel Bryan! I can't believe it! One of those proper superstars time I wasn't sure that I'd ever be able to come back and be in the ring because I loved wrestling too much um, but so Daniel Bryan named the Smackdown general manager to go up against Mick Foley as the raw GM and I think it was important to give you context as to what was going over on Monday Night Raw because I think SmackDown was fighting an uphill battle here because whenever, aside from right now, but the brand split is still kind of in effect, I'd say it's like 85% there. 
whenever the brand split ceases to exist, Raw has historically just cannibalized SmackDown and just completely taken out SmackDown. And, you know, SmackDown was not necessary to watch from, I would say, 2011 to 2016. Like, you could get by without watching SmackDown and still stay in touch and still stay up to date with all the major storylines in WWE. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All the major storylines were filtered through Monday Night Raw and SmackDown kind of became like a Sunday Night Heat. Just a a program that didn't really advance a lot of storylines. So when they announced that SmackDown was going to be brought back in a live capacity, would have its own exclusive roster, its own champions... I think it was very important to give people a reason to watch. And Daniel Bryan, who had just recently announced his in-ring retirement that lasted just about a year and a half, was the perfect guy to be the general manager there each and every week to give people a reason to watch SmackDown Live. And I believe that even Shane McMahon at this time, who had been back in WWE for just about five months, was a good guy to put over on SmackDown. And SmackDown was kind of like the babyface brand, and Raw was kind of like the heel brand, even though Mick Foley, an over-the-top babyface, was the general manager on SmackDown, or on Monday Night Raw. But aside from the general manager and the authority figures, you really had to make sure that you gave SmackDown a good roster. And as we've seen with the draft in numerous years, for every two picks that SmackDown gets, Raw would get three because of the hour differential. So the first round, and we'll focus mainly on SmackDown here, would have Dean Ambrose, the WWE champion at the time, going second overall to SmackDown. And then their second pick in the first round would be AJ Styles. In the sec- So their second pick in the first round was AJ Styles. Their first pick in the first round was Dean Ambrose. In the second round, they take John Cena and Randy Orton. So right off the bat, you have the WWE champion. You have probably the fastest rising star, AJ Styles. And then the two biggest legacy stars we've seen in WWE over the last decade in Cena and Orton. You get to the third round... And you get Bray Wyatt and Becky Lynch. Bray Wyatt, another incredible rising star. Becky Lynch was still solid at this time, but not even close to where she is now. In the uh, fourth round, you get Intercontinental Champion with uh, The Miz, along with Maurice. So you get the Intercontinental Championship over on SmackDown, which before had historically been a Raw Championship, but since 2016, the Intercontinental title has kind of lived over on SmackDown. And Baron Corbin, who again, another fast-rising star in 2016, had won the Andre the the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Dolph Ziggler goes to SmackDown. Alberto Del Rio goes to SmackDown, although I don't think he ever actually uh, wrestled there. The Usos went to SmackDown. Kane, who was still a full-time competitor, went to SmackDown. Like, SmackDown got a decent amount of high-level talent here. Where I will say that it kind of lacked was the tag team division, 
where aside from the Usos, you had American Alpha with Chad Gable and Jason Jordan, the Ascension, you had kind of the makeshift tag team of Heath Slater and uh, Rhino and the women's division. And obviously they created the SmackDown Women's Championship. Becky Lynch would become the first ever SmackDown Women's Champion. But aside from Becky Lynch, you had Carmella and Alexa Bliss who were new to the main roster. You had Natalia. Um, so I they had a bit of work to do in the women's division and in the tag team division. But as far as the mid card and the top of the card for the men, it was star studded. You know, John Cena, Randy Orton, Daniel, um, well, Daniel Bryan was the GM, uh, Dean Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler, The Miz, and SmackDown Live quickly started developing its own identity. And it was really on the first episode of SmackDown Live with its brand new exclusive roster where Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan would address the roster where we would really start to be to see the identity for the newly branded SmackDown Live. Danny was saying SmackDown is all about opportunity, but more importantly, it's about seizing that opportunity. And that's why on September 11th, we're going to start doing SmackDown-only pay-per-views, and we're going to have our first one entitled Backlash exclusively live on the WWE Network. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. We're going to be talking about SummerSlam. And since SmackDown is the exclusive home to the one and only WWE Champion, we need to find an opponent for Mr. Dean Ambrose at SummerSlam. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the undisputed WWE Champion, Dean Ambrose! This is what I love about Dean Ambrose. He will fight anyone at any time. Which is good. Because we have a plan for your opponent for SummerSlam. Tonight, we are going to have a six-pack challenge number one contenders match. Where six superstars will have the opportunity to compete for the number one contendership to wrestle Dean Ambrose at SummerSlam for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. The face that runs the place, John Cena. The eater of worlds, Bray Wyatt. that there's only five of them because the sixth spot 
is open to everyone. This is where we give you an opportunity. The sixth person in the six-pack challenge will be the winner of a battle royal. So right off the bat, we start seeing that SmackDown Live is going to be entirely different from its predecessor, the normal SmackDown, and its counterpart over on Monday Night Raw. And, you know, just the camera angle was different. The vibe was different. Obviously, the color's different. And I think that Dean Ambrose, as being the initial face of SmackDown Live, really gave it an identity. And I think, on a side note, for one, it's so weird seeing John Moxley and Dean Ambrose in WWE as the WWE champion. But they they really missed something with Dean Ambrose. And I remember when they moved him over to Monday Night Raw in 2017... I thought it was a big mistake because on on SmackDown, he really had a chance to blossom. He was away from Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. He was the first ever WWE champion on SmackDown Live. I really felt that it was an opportunity for not only just Ambrose to blossom, but a way for SmackDown to really give a chance for a guy like Dean Ambrose and embody that identity, that kind of rebel identity that quickly became SmackDown Live. And, you know, his first opponent would be Dolph Ziggler, who would ultimately win that six-pack challenge and challenge him at SummerSlam. Then he would go on to face uh, AJ Styles, and AJ Styles would win the WWE Championship away from Dean Ambrose. And early on, well, quickly, you kind of had that Dean Ambrose-AJ Styles rivalry really be at the forefront on SmackDown Live. And I covered that back when the show was called Rivalries. And I thought it was probably the best thing WWE had going at the time. It, they were my two favorite guys at this time. I loved Dean Ambrose. I loved AJ Styles, especially as a heel. And AJ Styles was coming off of his program with uh, John Cena and their incredible match at SummerSlam 2016. Those two just had absolutely brilliant chemistry. So as we spill into the year 2017, AJ Styles is still champion, wraps up his program against Dean Ambrose, and we have John Cena return. And John Cena returns to challenge AJ Styles to try and get his coveted 2016 World Championship. And the fact that Cena was able to win that championship on SmackDown Live, I thought was huge for the brand of SmackDown because it had been years since we had seen such a significant title change happen on SmackDown. It was significant just that they gave the WWE championship to the SmackDown brand just because in the brand split historically for the last number of years, the WWE championship was over on raw and the world championship was over on SmackDown, but much like they did in 2002, they tried to legitimize SmackDown by giving them the most coveted prize in the industry. And you had Ambrose bring it over. AJ Styles had a really good run with the championship. And then John Cena winning the championship as a part of SmackDown Live at the Royal Rumble to tie Ric Flair's record was just a huge way for the SmackDown brand to feel legitimized alongside Monday Night Raw. Unfortunately, something else would happen in later 2017 that would really hurt the SmackDown brand. 
And before we got to that, we had John Cena drop the WWE Championship to Bray Wyatt at the Elimination Chamber. Bray Wyatt's only WWE Championship victory, obviously not including his run with the Universal title. He would hold that all the way to WrestleMania, where he would drop it to Randy Orton. And Randy Orton would have the infamous, uh, what was it, House of Horrors match with Bray Wyatt at, I believe, was it Backlash or Extreme Rules, something like that. And WrestleMania 33 was kind of when things started to take a downturn for SmackDown. Um, Because you put the belt on Randy Orton, who had a very forgettable and short-lived run with it. That was really tainted by the horrible match uh, with the House of Horrors nonsense. You had the draft that sent... How would you say? You, You sent a lot of the soul of SmackDown Live over to Mon- to um, to Monday Night Raw be- as you had The Miz go over to Monday Night Raw. And don't worry, we'll get to The Miz in a second on the importance he had on SmackDown. And Dean Ambrose, the then Intercontinental Champion, goes over to Monday Night Raw. And it just felt like the identity of SmackDown left. And John Cena was no longer full-time by this point, and when he would come back, he became a free agent that he could float between the brands, much like he can now. And on Monday night on SmackDown, you just kind of had like an empty-ish feeling. Bray Wyatt also went over to Monday Night Raw, which was very bizarre. You kind of just pulled a major facelift to what SmackDown felt like. And yes, they got the U.S. champion Kevin Owens... Yes, they got Sami Zayn, but it just did not feel all that legitimate. And the pr- biggest issue came at the pay-per-view when Randy Orton would lose the title to another other than, well, you guys could listen for yourselves. Thanks, Dividends! Save us countless times the same brothers aiding Duke of the Hall in his quest. Tosses Orton back inside the ring. Oh, watch out, watch out, watch out! Oh, no, 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 no! Oh, the collide! 
And look, this was certainly shocking. <laughs> if WWE was looking for shock value, they certainly got it. Um, I'm going to give my opinion on this, you know, at the risk of uh, really turning heel, for lack of better terms. But uh, this was an embarrassment. Simple as, simple as that. It was an absolute embarrassment. It was WWE's um, half-ass way to really get into the Indian market. And I understand it from a monetary and business perspective, but from a storyline perspective, it was an embarrassment. You embarrassed the, the WWE Championship. Um, you embarrassed Randy Orton, who, you know, has been one of the best superstars of the last two decades. And um, you embarrassed all the goodwill you had built up on SmackDown Live, and you immediately made it a joke once again. And this is nothing against Jinder Mahal. It is the fact that a guy who I don't think had ever won a pay-per-view contest uh, or match cannot go from being the biggest jobber in the company who wasn't even on WrestleMania to winning the WWE Championship and beating one of the greatest of the last generation to do so. It was embarrassing. I stopped watching SmackDown for the entirety of the 2017 summer because I thought it was a joke. And look, I think that this Jinder Mahal um, run overachieved because it was just such a low bar that you set right off the hop so that it wasn't exactly hard to do so, but it was garbage. It was pathetic. And, you know, he held the title right through the summer into the fall. And right around this time, you had ran, uh, AJ Styles and Kevin Owens feuding over the United States Championship. And that program, I remember, and they trade that championship two or three times each, felt so much more important than the WWE title. And look, that, that's nothing against Kevin Owens and AJ Styles. And trust me, that rivalry they had was brilliant. And I missed it because I was just so upset as to what they did with the, with the WWE Championship. And that's a rivalry that I would certainly uh, suggest anyone to go back and track. But at never any point should the rivalry or the program surrounding the U.S. title feel more important of that of the WWE Championship. It's inexcusable. The rivalry of Kevin Owens and AJ Styles should have been focused on the WWE Championship. And Jinder Mahal... Could have been a good U.S. champion. Make him a heel U.S. champion. He won the U.S. title a year later. He was fine in that role. I don't mind Jinder Mahal as a U.S. champion. But as a WWE champion, inexcusable. Embarrassing. You had the pathetic Punjabi prison match against Randy Orton. And I believe it was called Battleground in one of their rematches. He had a few matches against the newly arrived Shinsuke Nakamura. It was a bad time for... Um, for SmackDown Live. And look, they had some other good things going on. You know, the New Day-Uso rivalry, where they were having a series of really five-star matches. You had John Cena return and go up against Baron Corbin. And Baron Corbin's another guy who really plummeted his value in 2017. And like I said, Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But their Jinder Mahal stuff really just absolutely destroyed the credibility of SmackDown. 
And, you know, you even have a guy like Baron Corbin who wins Money in the Bank briefcase. And obviously, I believe he was punished for something that happened backstage. But he has the failed cash in on Jinder Mahal on SmackDown with John Cena help costing him that. So he's another guy that you had built up really well in 2016 and early 2017 is considered one of the fastest rising stars. And I thought that they had something really special with Baron Corbin. And then the failed cash in, it, it felt it felt bizarre. You know, they it, it was a weird time for SmackDown Live. And I really thought that it hurt the brand in a lot of ways. Luckily, in November, they call an audible and they change they turn AJ Styles babyface which was a very good move because AJ Styles had been a heel for just about a year and a half now and you know he had had the program against um Shane McMahon at WrestleMania 33 which was very very good a match that overachieved was one of the better matches on the card had a brilliant program with uh Kevin Owens in the summer of 2017 for the US title as I previously mentioned and he eventually wins the title off of Jinder Mahal on an episode of SmackDown. And then goes up against Brock Lesnar in the champion versus champion match at Survivor Series. A match he would lose, but again, a very, very good match. And AJ Styles really embodied SmackDown Live. Even today, I still find it kind of weird seeing him on Raw. But now that we're no longer in the SmackDown Live era, it makes a bit more sense. But, you know, we had the famous quote that SmackDown Live, the house that AJ Styles built. And he had been in WWE for less than two years at this point. So he was still a new guy and he really found a home over on SmackDown Live and he legitimized it. And I think that especially after Ambrose left and went over to Monday Night Raw, and John Cena became more of a part-time free agent type of guy, and Randy Orton was kind of caught in no man's land, and Bray Wyatt had gone over to Monday Night Raw, it became his for the taking, and he really legitimized it. And you had Shinsuke Nakamura win the Royal Rumble, and those two main evented things on the SmackDown side for WrestleMania. And it was a match that underachieved, but this kind of re-helped to legitimize SmackDown Live as a good brand heading into 2018. And by 2018, I felt that they had re-identified or re-established what they were all about. And you had Daniel Bryan come back as an in-ring competitor, which was huge for the brand. You get an injection of a top babyface on the roster. You have The Miz come back over so he could rekindle that rivalry against Daniel Bryan that would culminate at the 2018 SummerSlam. And you had Bray Wyatt, I believe, come back over as well, over to SmackDown. Samoa Joe came over to SmackDown and had a really, really good program against AJ Styles following WrestleMania 32, or WrestleMania 34, rather, in the summer of 2018. That was a very, very good program. That helped legitimize uh, that brand again. And, I, you know, 2018 was a very, very good time for SmackDown, especially after an incredibly, incredibly rough 2019, uh, 2017. And following Samoa Joe, you had Daniel Bryan step up to the plate as the next competitor against AJ Styles. And in the process, he turns heel wins the WWE Championship, and becomes the Planet's Champion. And this was a really cool era. The heel Daniel Bryan as the Planet's Champion with Rowan as kind of his sidekick. 
And this was a really cool era for SmackDown. And you still kind of had the, you know, 2018, the more I think about it, was very, very good. And, you know, you even had the Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon program that culminated with the tag team match of Owens and Sami Zayn against Shane and Daniel Bryan at uh, WrestleMania 34, Daniel Bryan's return to the ring. And when you had Daniel Bryan get the championship on him in the winter going into 2019, you just had a very strong cast over on SmackDown. And, you know, you had Samoa Joe as the U.S. champion. You had Daniel Bryan as the WWE champion. And this is where things start to get a bit rocky for me as we come to the close of the era of SmackDown Live is when Kofi Kingston would win the championship at WrestleMania 35. And look, um, you know, Matt and I have talked about this, and this is right around the time when I started doing this podcast three years ago. And Matt and I spoke about it at the time, in real time, in the summer of 2019, when Kofi was the champion. Uh, I don't think it was as bad as Jinder winning the title, just because I think Kofi had at least established himself as, you know, a legitimate mid-card champion in the past. He had a decent run with the U.S. title, and certainly what he did with the New Day, he was certainly more of an established competitor than Jinder was, but this was not good. And this was the demise of SmackDown Live when, you know, the wild card rule was implemented and, you know, Roman Reigns came over to SmackDown, but he was on Raw at the same time. And, the you know, Shane McMahon was heel by this point. And yeah, it, it was um, it was weird. You know, when Kofi was champion, it wasn't good. You know, he had some programs with Dolph, which the matches were great, but, you know, the program wasn't great with Randy Orton and you had, you know, Shane McMahon and like his lackeys of like Elias and Drew McIntyre and the, uh, well, I was going to say FTR, but the revival, uh, it was a weird time for SmackDown as it kind of came to a close or SmackDown live as it kind of came to a close. And in October, it was announced that SmackDown live would be moving to Fox and on Fridays and it would be reestablished as SmackDown. And the last kind of identity of SmackDown Live was killed when Kofi Kingston lost to Brock in nine seconds, which I loved, by the way. I know I'm in the minority there, but I absolutely loved it. And, uh, you know, Brock won the WWE Championship from Kofi on the first ever episode of SmackDown on Fox. And that's all we really knew of SmackDown Live. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I missed some things, but I think overall SmackDown Live was good. Uh, It had some very historical moments. It had a really bad year or so with Jinder Mahal and Kofi Kingston as champion, but early on SmackDown Live was absolutely brilliant television. It was much better than Monday Night Raw, in my opinion. And 2018, it really rebounded in a big way after a very, very rough 2017. So I would say it was kind of 50-50 of really good and really bad. There wasn't much in the middle. SmackDown Live from 2016 to 2019 was really split down the middle in terms of good and bad. But the one thing I want to leave you guys with is the most iconic moment from SmackDown Live. And it's from The Miz. And I think that The Miz established himself as a Hall of Famer and a legacy star 
well during his time on SmackDown Live. Because what he was able to do for the Intercontinental Championship when he first took it over to SmackDown Live in the summer of 2016 and just completely prove that he, although he might not be everyone's cup of tea, and he certainly isn't my cup of tea, he cares. And the promo he would cut on Talking Smack to date is still one of the best and helped to legitimize SmackDown Live as arguably the A show. To say it to me, you wrestle like a coward. You wrestle like somebody who's, I, af- who's afraid to get hit. Like, I, I, re- I, rest, I wrestle like, like a coward. You I- wrestle like a coward. I'm the one. If I if I were to create a wrestler who, to me, like embodies like when I was an independent guy and I was thinking like, oh, okay, what's the soft WWE style? It would be that WWE is transformed. Maybe in the you, last... hold on. you you had you, you had your chance to talk. You, you're the one that called me a coward in, in the wrestling ring. I'm the coward in the wrestling ring. Yeah. But let's talk about cowards for one second. The reason I wrestle the way I wrestle is because I can do it day in and day out all the time for ten plus years i have never never in my career ever have been injured i don't get injured for six months to a year i am here each and every week but you sit there and call me a coward i'm the coward wait let me tell you about a coward let me tell you about a guy who tells his wwe fans the people that he loves that he will be back he promises them i promise you i will be back in one year's time to claim this title but you didn't daniel did you but i'm the coward i'm the one that doesn't love the fans if they would let me come back i would come back oh if if, if you you would yeah you would you you love that wwe ring you love be wrestling you love being right in that wrestling ring and you love wrestling, right? Well, why don't you quit? Why don't you quit and go to the bingo halls with your indie Okay, I think you need to calm. No, that's not, no, what, this, that's this. not what this show's Me about. The GM have this. Thank you very much, Renee. This is a great show, but we're talking here. I need to talk to you real quick because the fact is, you're the one that calls me the coward, but you're the one that doesn't get in the WWE ring again. No, don't you walk away from me, Daniel. Don't you walk away. I'm the one that loves the fans. I'm the one that loves everyone and everything. You're the one that gets up and walks away every single time you're the coward i am not a coward i am your intercontinental champion and there's a reason i am the title reason making this the most relevant prestigious title that wwe has and i deserve the respect on smackdown live get that camera right here that this is day 141 of the never-ending Intercontinental Championship World Tour, and I swear to you, I promise you, it will be the most relevant title on SmackDown Live. I could care less about those little kids on, on, on for the tag team titles and the Women's Championship and the WWE Championship. This is my show. My show. And I'm sick of all of you, my GM, sitting there criticizing me, calling me the coward. You're the cowards. I'm the one here, day in and day out, in that wrestling ring, beating people up. Thank you very much. Brilliant work by The Miz. Simple as that. And this was less than a month into this era for SmackDown. And I think that what The Miz did was not only establish himself as much-watched television, you know, as he says, the most much-watched uh, television show for Miz Talk or Talking Miz, whatever it is, the, whatever, Miz TV, there you go. But he made SmackDown Live much-watched television because you had to see what he was going to do 
And you also wanted to see if he would live up to his word as making the Intercontinental Championship the most relevant title in WWE. And, you know, he really legitimized that title. And we've seen what has gone on with the IC Championship since this era, where, you know, it kind of was dead around the waist of guys like Nakamura and Ricochet. And now with Gunther, I think it's it's getting better. Like, I think Gunther is really doing a good job with it, and he's going to have a great run with it. But The Miz lived up to his word, and while on SmackDown Live with the championship, his program with Dolph Ziggler and whatnot, and D- Dean Ambrose as well later on in the winter, he certainly made the Intercontinental Championship relevant. And I would argue that that promo was the single biggest positive and the single biggest moment to take place on SmackDown Live during its three years in existence. And, you know, for all there was bad on SmackDown Live in those three years, the fact that this happened on SmackDown Live is something that will forever make that era of SmackDown iconic in my mind, and I'm sure in the minds of many fans. Anyway, guys, uh, I know I went a bit longer today, but uh, obviously covering an entire three-year span of SmackDown Live required a bit more time. But, uh, you know, as always, you can get me on Twitter at adamarco 25 You can get Matt on Twitter at wrestling underscore audio, or you can email him each and every week for the WWE mailbag that was a takeover edition this week with Mr. and Mrs. Casual Wrestling Fan. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoy your weekend. If you're Canadian, happy Canada Day. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash wwepodcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.